that seems like the Republicans are filibustering the uh, 1-6 commission, um, which would be, I don't know, they're talking about it like it would be uh, a 9-11 commission. Um, I, you know, I'm not opposed to a commission by any means. Obviously, what happened on January 6th was heinous. Um, you know, shame on progressives who have minimized it. Uh, so I'm all for a commission. Do I think it's the most pressing thing in America or the most pressing topic? So I don't know. I, you know, I'm for the commission, uh, but it's a shame to me that it's gotten the media attention and media coverage uh, it's gotten because to me, it's just, you know, it's just the media and the Democratic Party basically trying to distract from other important issues i.e. A, a looming eviction apocalypse, uh, Biden not being FDR, basically abandoning whatever promises he did make during the campaign. Um, you know, they're kind of covering Ronald Green and, um, you know, the continued uh, murders of black men, but not not the way it should be covered. So I think, you know, it's a bit of a distraction, and I think it's uh, definitely going to be something they continue to beat uh, a dead horse about, as well as Donald Trump's grand jury. So I'm for it, but I'm not for the amount of coverage and attention that is going to it. Yeah, I I do think that the commission is important. I know some progressives are against it, but the reason, so the reason I think it's important is because I think that the there is a lot of, there's a lot of complicity among the law enforcement and there was a lot of shadiness um, to do with how it went down and why it was allowed to happen. And I think that is the part that is so dangerous. So it's not necessarily about that day. That day was heinous. We've covered it a lot. Um, what was allowed to happen that day was disgusting. It makes me so mad when people, including progressives, make fun of AOC and others who've said that they had a traumatic experience that day. Why wouldn't that be traumatic, you absolute psychos? Of course it was traumatic. Um, and if it wasn't for a certain senator or if they're saying it wasn't or a congressperson or whatever, then that's fine. But it, it was for some people and it's okay for them to say that. And what kind of progressive are you if, if in, you know, speaking to those people who say it's silly for AOC to say it was traumatic for you to denounce that or for you to say, oh, she's just being, and essentially that's what you're saying. Oh, she's just being a girl. What a weak girl. Or she's just trying to get attention. No. Can you imagine, like put yourself in, in her shoes and now isn't the time to, you know, completely destruct or uh, break down what happened to AOC, although I could go on and on about that. But the fact is that uh, protocols broke down that day and they broke down for a reason. They broke down for a planned out reason. And that reason has to do in large part to white supremacy. And the fact that white supremacists are in the ranks of our law enforcement, we all know, we all know that if that had, if, if those people had been brown, if those people had been black, that wouldn't have been allowed to happen. Something happened. And something happened that we more than just suspect, we have direct evidence for something happened that was tied to 
elected officials. So yes, I strongly believe that this has to be investigated. Does this have to be investigated at the cost of anything else? No, we should be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. So that's, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. It should be investigated, but I will say, I find it kind of hollow, the co the media coverage that, you know, this is basic democracy, blah, 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 blah. We don't have a democracy as we're about to go over. Um, so although this is visually jarring what happened and truly was an attack on our government, uh, we don't have a government as much as we have a bought off body for multi-billion dollar corporate conglomerates. That's the truth. So, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. I think there should be a commission, but it doesn't look like there's going to be. Now they say, well, now it might just be a Democrat-led commission. But I think ultimately what's, what it's going to be is marketing and branding and messaging for the midterms. And they're going to – Democrats are probably uh, going to paper over all the things they didn't do uh, by saying we put shots in arms and reminding you about what happened on the 6th uh, and putting Marjorie Green Taylor, who's a lunatic and an yeah. anti-Semite, um, in a lot of commercials. and. Judging by history, they'll probably still lose seats. Uh, it's very, very close, obviously, in, in the Senate. Uh, the House is close, so it's possible the Republicans will take back both. Um, it's definitely possible if the Democrats don't actually deliver on promises for the increase uh, for black people that came out in Atlanta, for black people that came out in Detroit, for black people that came out in uh, with, uh, Milwaukee, uh, Latinos that came out, uh, if those, you know, Trump's not going to be on the ballot in 2022. So they could try and keep Trump's image uh, and the threat of Trump. But those people came out, they got rid of Trump. But how are you going to get them out again if you don't deliver them more than vaccine shots and this temporary COVID relief bill? Um, it wasn't Biden per se, Jen, but Biden's labor secretary basically gave away the game that, uh, yeah, there will be no $15 minimum wage. Well, excuse me. There will be more talking about it. But hmm. there, won't be, there won't be any action per se on a $15 minimum wage. Let's play the clip. This is actually a decent clip for a change. Uh, I don't think it's MSNBC. What is it? Peacock Network? Medi yeah, Medi. Medi Hassan, who does decent uh, challenging of politicians on his show uh, on Peacock Network. Let's take a look. Something else has been missing uh, is a $15 minimum wage, which the president again today said he backs. On Monday, I spoke with your predecessor during the Clinton administration on this show, Robert Reich, former Labour secretary, who reminded me that the minimum wage would be $33 an hour if it had kept pace with Wall Street bonuses. Uh, it's over $20 if it kept pace with productivity. Uh, the president in Cleveland today again talked about a $15 minimum wage, but multiple Senate Democrats voted against it earlier this year. Where do things stand right now? On raising it. Are you going to do it for sure in 2021? We're going to continue to talk about it. You can't do it if you don't have the votes. And it's it's also making sure that uh, Democrats and Republicans should talk to their constituencies. Uh, $15 an hour minimum wage is, 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 a, is a wage that, you know, it can barely raise a family on, but it's certainly, uh, it's, it's more than double what the current minimum wage is. We need to continue to have these dialogues. The president has been clear and I support him wholeheartedly on the $15 an hour minimum wage. I also support him on the PRO Act that he's pushing forward as well. And, and again, the, these are all big piece of legislation uh, that's changing. We've been talking about, I don't believe the minimum wage has been raised uh, since uh, 
Secretary Wright was the secretary, uh, or it might have been a modest increase after that. So uh, it's certainly long overdue. We need to continue to, to, to push this. And again, the American people are supportive of it. I mean, I, as a legislator here in Massachusetts, I support it. As a mayor, I support the $15 minimum wage in Massachusetts. So again, we're going to continue to work on that. I mean, you say you don't have the votes for it. I understand that point. But isn't it the job of the president to get those votes? He ran on $15. He tried to get it through. These are not Republican votes you're missing. These are Democrats. These are people like Chris Coons, the president's closest ally in the Senate, uh, who didn't vote for the $15 minimum wage when he had the chance earlier this year. Shouldn't a president who believes in it do more than just talk about it? Well, he's doing more than talking about. There's lots of conversations going on. As I said earlier, uh, the, the president is, is a president that inherited uh, one of the, the, the largest unemployment number in the history of our country. Uh, he's working to get people back to work. He's working to make sure that we're laying down the foundation for, as I said, the recovery plan to, to respond to COVID-19 and, and the jobs plan, the families plan. So his agenda is broad and the agenda is wide and the agenda needs to be fulfilled. And, and again, we're 100 plus days into the new administration. So he has an ambitious agenda with a lot to do and we're gonna to continue to work. And I'm personally gonna be working hard to make sure that we can continue to push to make sure we get a minimum wage, make sure we get the budget okay. passed, make sure we get the American funds plan and, and other things. Oh boy. Oh. Mm. So, uh, yeah, a lot of conversations going on. Uh, definitely going to talk about it. Uh, I do like that he admitted uh, you could barely live on a $15 minimum wage. So we're having conversations about giving people something you could barely live on. Like, how's that for building back better? Uh, and this was the supposedly progressive labor secretary that he put in rather than Bernie Sanders. But... I mean, it's really, you know, Democrats went after Mitt Romney as a flip-flopper. Um, you know, Biden, what is this other than flip-flopping? If you got one structural change out of Biden, one, the best chance was a $15 minimum wage because that's what he said. But he can do it right now. Uh, the Democrats can push it through. All he would have to do is wrangle a couple Democrats, shame them publicly. Um, Joe Manchin, it does seem uh, when cornered and when specifically cornered in West Virginia, um, you know, uh, people who used to work for AOC created a, a PAC that went on the air with radio ads in West Virginia uh, against Manchin for being against the $2,000 checks. And then he started moving away from that position. But obviously, obviously, he could, you know, they said, oh, we, the Senate parliamentarian says we can't do it through reconciliation. Then why aren't they trying to do it as part of the infrastructure bill? Or why aren't they trying to do it as a standalone um, or as a standalone bill? Uh, they could attach it to anything, the defense budget, uh, and try and put it through with 51 votes using reconciliation. They already said we're not going to use any more reconciliation bills for the, fit, for the rest of fiscal year 2021, meaning that the first time you'll be able to get another reconciliation bill would be in the fall. I mean, there's no urgency. And he's saying what $15 minimum wage is, you could barely live on that. And it wouldn't even go into effect for five years. This is, it's disgusting. Um, it's absurd. And Biden, other than Mehdi Hassan, is not being challenged on it whatsoever. 
it's uh it's really telling that they will at least they'll outright admit that if um it had kept up with wall street bonuses that it would be over 30 dollars and inflation would be well over 26 dollars but it's still only we need to keep talking about it and that's to give themselves wiggle room they don't want to make any promises not that they have any qualms about breaking their promises anyway we all remember that after biden promised the additional two thousand dollars uh for covid relief that turned into sixteen hundred dollars and oh we meant you know you had already gotten you know the other the other money and they, they sent a letter justifying that so we know they have no qualms lying and backtracking but uh now they've taken it to a level where they will admit the problem to get the msnbc watcher or the nbc watcher or the peacock watcher or whoever which is all the same under the same umbrella um to, to nod along and say, oh yes, these things are bad. This is bad. Oh, they're going to keep talking about it. How great. But the average comfortable person who isn't living paycheck to paycheck and who doesn't have to work at Chick-fil-A or who isn't working at the Whole Foods in the gentrified area and isn't a black or brown person and doesn't have to think about the fact that they're working at the Whole Foods and can't, you know, working 40 hours at the Whole Foods and still can't make a living that's all they have that's all that person has to do that's all the watcher has to do is oh great here joe biden's in office now and uh his labor secretary is saying good things they're still going to think about it they're admitting that there's a problem great things are going fine because they don't have to live that life they don't have to sell the nine dollar chocolate bar to the rich person that's taken over their neighborhood they don't have to deal with it and so Joe Biden's um, people, they're all about saying the right things and doing nothing. And this is just another example of that. And also, I want to make a point, Colin, if you could show um, the CNBC article. Uh, Biden goes on offense against economic critics, argues rising wages, shows his agenda is working. Um, so basically, Biden did a speech yesterday uh, defending his economic policies, whatever those are. <laughs> uh, he said the bottom line is the Biden economic plan is working, he said in Cleveland. We've had a record job creation. We've, we're seeing record economic growth. We're creating a new paradigm, one that rewards work, the working people in this nation, not just those at the top. Uh, Republicans and business groups claim that the enhanced federal unemployment benefit in Biden's American Rescues Plan uh, are to blame for a labor shortage that has forced corporations like McDonald's and Bank of America to raise their minimum wage. How terrible. Some economists fear increasing wages could lead to further inflation. Uh, Biden flatly rejected this view. Quote, when it comes to the economy we're building, rising wages aren't a bug, they're a feature. The president went on to renew his call for Congress to raise the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. Again, like he has no agency in the matter. Uh, and I don't want to minimize the fact that uh, some companies have increased their wages, Jen. But the reality is the reason that they've increased their wages is because for once, workers have had uh, a choice not to go back for shit wages because they've had the temporary unemployment. I was texting with Steve Grumbine, friend of the show with Real Progressives, who said, yeah, I mean, think about the unemployment if that were a UBI, for example, um, 
you UBI might. I mean, he's for a federal jobs guarantee, but the un, the unemployment insurance is essentially like a little mini temporary UBI that's allowing workers uh, have a little more choice because they have that uh, unemployment insurance to not rush back to a job at $10 an hour or whatever uh, in retail or fast food or whatever. But we're already seeing a lot of those states are uh, ending that $300 a week, which wasn't enough anyway. So yeah, some of these places have increased the wages. Once, once that temporary relief that the New York Times and CNN and MSNBC made into the new deal, the COVID relief bill, once that's gone, I mean, there's no leverage for working people because we still don't have a real union movement in this country and they're not going to have unemployment or stimulus checks or anything like that to fall back on. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. And, and you'll see the right wingers coming out with the these charts or whatever saying, um, oh, you know, no one's going back to work. They're all just this is why uh, social programs don't work. This is why social programs aren't good. All of these people who were receiving unemployment are just sitting at home on their asses now. They don't want to go back to work. Uh, restaurants can't find anybody to hire. And it's like, yeah, of course. Um, first of all, a lot of that is total BS. Second of all, in the cases where it is not BS, why, why wouldn't a person any person who needs to stay home to take care of their children you know why would someone go into work to make 350 dollars that week when they could stay home for 300 dollars that week and not pay for daycare when they're a struggling single mother or or some situation like that right why would that be a negative moral um thing to point to for a republican that should be a negative moral thing to point to for um, not necessarily the small business owner or whatever, but for the entire system. This system is broken. A person should be able at any job, go to work 40 hours, whatever, a full work week and make a living in any situation. Nobody should have to work three full-time jobs, two full-time jobs and still barely scrape by. Where is the progressive opposition to this? It's 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 almost like, OK, well, we, we didn't have a choice. We had to vote for the covid relief bill. So even though he, uh, you know, took out 15 dollar minimum wage. But now where is the opposition that he's moved away from the 15 dollar minimum wage? And he also uh, as progressives just signed onto a letter, a broad coalition of Democrats press Biden to expand Medicare. Over 150 House Democrats are pushing the president to include a plan in his infrastructure package to lower the eligibility age, expand benefits, and negotiate drug prices. A broad coalition of Democrats from across the ide ideological spectrum plans on Thursday, so yesterday, to begin what it promises will be a noisy ooh, and sustained campaign to pressure President Biden to include a major expansion of Medicare in his infrastructure package. By the way, this major expansion of Medicare is lowering the age by five years to 60. That's the major expansion. More than 150 House Democrats, including Representative Pramila Jayapal, the leader of the progressive wing in the House, and Representative Jared Golden of Maine, one of the chamber's most centrist Democrats, have teamed up on the effort, which is all but certain to draw Republican opposition, but contains proposals that are popular with a wide segment of voters. 
disappointed that Biden has yet to act on a campaign promise to expand Medicare benefits. Members of the group who together represent nearly 70 percent of House Democrats have signed on to a letter that kicks off their pressure campaign. Organizers say it will include opinion pieces and press events. Uh, Congressman Connor Lamb of Pennsylvania and Joe Negussi of Colorado are also leading the push. Quote, it's really unusual to get this level of intensity on a health care proposal, Ms. Jayapal said in an interview. At the heart of the plan is a call to lower the eligibility age for Medicare to 60 from 65, adding about 23 million Americans to the federal health program for seniors at a cost of $200 billion over 10 years. The lawmakers are also pushing to expand Medicare benefits to cover dental, vision, and hearing, which would cost about $350 billion over 10 years. So- you know, this is corporate media framing, of course, that this is a, you know, a big campaign. They're, they're going to they wrote a letter. They're going to do interviews and press releases uh, and it's sweeping if it goes down to 60. I have a better idea, Jen. I have a better idea. Um, why doesn't Pramila Jayapal and a couple others that they call the squad um, and Bernie? Uh, why don't they say, yeah, for your infrastructure bill, uh, we're not even talking about it until dropping Medicare to 55 is attached. I don't know. Is that radical? Is that crazy? Uh, because there's different ways of pressuring. One is writing letters that they're not going to read. Another is uh, doing television interviews that they probably won't watch. They, meaning the Biden administration. Uh, another uh, is threatening them that they're not going to get what they want if they don't give you something of what you want, which they didn't do with the COVID relief bill, citing the urgency to pass it. But I don't know. It'd be nice to have new infrastructure. I think it's badly needed. But I think actual structural change in our healthcare system. Remember, healthcare was the number one issue in all the polls in the Democratic primary. I think that's more important. I don't know why they are shooting themselves in, in the foot by starting with age 60. Hillary Clinton said age 55. So everybody loves Hillary, right? Why not go Ooh. to age 55? Uh, it just seems, I mean, if this is quote unquote, the progressive strategy, you know, good old fashioned, you know, arm twisting through letters and press releases and interviews, uh, we are going to be going in circles for the next three years. There, this is nothing. This is nothing's happening. This is ridiculous. The proposal's ridiculous. The strategy's ridiculous. This is just, I mean, lowering it by five years. Okay, sure. But th this, this is their bold proposal, their bold idea. And I don't want to um, poo-poo Jayapal too much because she does have you know, she is one of the ones who's at least trying when it comes to, to Medicare for all. But yeah, it's not enough. It's, it's, I was one of the ones who did support, you know, force the vote, for example, you know, kind of that going hardcore, going for it, really doing something about this, not writing letters, not sending out press releases, 
not just having the appearance of doing something. It's not enough to just have the appearance of doing something. And beyond that, I don't like this, this whole thing that is now what they all do, which is like packaging together these things all within one huge, what do they call them, the omnibuses, like the infrastructure built. Like why, this doesn't allow us to focus on anything. It doesn't allow things to really get, um, to really get done in any way that makes sense. This allows it to make a headline for a day and for it to go away. It doesn't allow it to really truly get heard. And I don't, I think this is, this is of course all on purpose. Do I think that Pramila Jayapal doesn't actually want to lower the age? No, I think she does. Do I think the squad wants Medicare for all uh, eventually? Yeah, I think they do. But we have to think back to when AOC gave that absurd interview. I can't remember which outlet it was to, but it was a few months ago where she said that by the time that she eventually has children and they're in college or something like that, that she hopes that they have Medicare for all. It's like, what? What did you get elected for? What are you talking about? No, this is what you're, you're supposed to be fighting for this right now. Now, not in 20 years. What are you doing? So this is just, it's disturbing. And it is all about appearances. We don't need appearances. We don't need PR. We need true action. We need you to be doing, uh, going back to AOC, we need more of you sitting with the Sunrise Movement, protesting outside of Nancy Pelosi's door. And I, we need that fire. We need that action. This is just so disturbing. Why and why aren't you shooting for the stars? Five years? Okay. Try harder. Do more. Do something. And it goes back to what we've been talking about. Like, it doesn't really seem like we have a progressive opposition more so progressive messaging. There's a difference between progressive messaging and actual fierce opposition. We don't really seem to have that fierce opposition. Uh, another example, uh, Pramila Jayapal tweeted, um, we could end the filibuster, make the rich pay their fair share, guarantee healthcare as a human right in this country, and so much more if we organize like hell for it. If we organize like hell for it. So... That sounds good. Sounds good. And organize is a, a, a great buzzword. But I don't know, Jen, uh, do you recall people organizing to elect AOC, to elect Rashida Tlaib, Rokan, uh, Corey Bush recently, Jamal Bowman, all these people? We have the numbers now, not to get everything we want, but to hold up uh, Pelosi's agenda, Biden's agenda, and demand concessions. Uh, uh, Manchin has no problem playing it that way. Cinema has no problem playing it that way. McConnell just played it that way to get Republicans uh, to fall in line to block the January 6th commission. So, you know, I don't understand. Like, what are we going to, how, how are we going to organize more in what way to get more progressives elected? That's great. But like, what's the difference if you have five to 10 more progressives added to the existing if we already have the numbers to block certain things. So I'm all for organizing, but I don't particularly know what she means. Cause even if we end the filibuster tomorrow, uh, it doesn't seem like you have a democratic party that urgently wants to 
past the $15 minimum wage. I mean, the problem with the $15 minimum wage was not the filibuster. The problem was the president preemptively saying, oh, no, we can't do it through this bill because some unelected phantom parliamentarian says so. And then eight Democrats voted against it in the amendment Bernie put forth. So it's just it's all theater. And, and you know, like Jen said, does Jayapal want it? Yeah. Do does, does the squad want it? But I think they've just been conditioned to try and like persuade their colleagues nicely and try to, you know, a pressure campaign on Biden. And that's not how these people respond. Uh, that's not how these, these people only respond if the incremental bullshit they want to do is threatened. So I don't know your thoughts, Jim. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's going to take, like I said before, it's, it's going to take pressure. It's going to take severe action that actually gets attention for a reason. Not a, not a little letter that's signed by some folks, not a little PR campaign that goes away. It's going to take real action, real action. So we have to pressure people to do that. And you know, who tried to do that was Jimmy Dore. You know, who did that in a way I wouldn't necessarily have done it. Well, no, who did in a way I wouldn't have done it was Jimmy Dore. Jimmy has a different style. And that has really uh, divided the left. I'm not saying Jimmy divided the left. I'm saying people lost their minds for a while and still have. There's so much division on the left, especially online. There, if, if people don't come together and put aside their petty BS, it's not going to happen. People need to realize it's okay for there to be nuance. It's okay to disagree. It's okay um, for folks to agree with force the vote or not agree with force the vote. It's okay. There are different approaches to these things. But in the end, it's going to take um, true action. It's going to take true badassery. Think of anything dramatically important that has ever happened in history that happened with a PR camp, like that happened with like a letter. No, it happened with badassery. It happened with risk taking. Always, always, always. Tamir Rice's mother uh, fights to keep a former officer who fatally shot her son from getting his job back. So if you remember Tamir Rice uh, back in 2014, 12-year-old boy who was shot on the spot within seconds by a Cleveland police officer. Uh, he had a toy gun, um, but the police officer, as soon as he showed up on the scene, um, shot him dead. Well, that 12 years old, by the way. Uh, well, that police officer is now trying to get a job in another department. So the mother of Tamir Rice uh, is asking the Ohio Supreme Court to block the former officer's attempt to get his job back. Rice was shot and killed in November 2014 outside uh, the Cudell Recreation Center by then police officer Timothy Lohman uh, after police re received a call about someone pointing a gun at people. The caller had told the dispatcher that the gun looked fake, but the information was never relayed to Lohman or his partner. Video footage of the fatal encounter showed Lohman, who is white, fired at Rice within seconds of getting out of his squad car. Rice died the following morning at Cleveland Hospital. A Cuyahoga County grand jury declined to bring criminal charges against Lohman, who had been with the Cleveland Police Department for less than a year at the time of the shooting. He was fired by the department in May 2017, but not for, the kill, not for killing Rice. The police department said it let Lohman go because he had lied on his job application. So this, is, I mean, he's not the first 
officer Jen uh, after killing a black man, in this case, a 12 year old to get a job in another police department. Uh, but it's pretty heinous. And I would say what has changed from 2014 where that cop immediately on the spot shot him, no efforts at de-escalation. And what just happened with Robert Brown when, excuse me, Andrew Brown in North Carolina, when these police officers showed up as if they were, you know, playing call of duty on the back of a truck uh, and he was in his car uh, and he backed away. He did not drive into officers. He was trying to drive away and it all happened within seconds. They started shooting him several times and shot him in the back of the neck and killed him. Uh, what has changed? But it's pretty egregious that this mother, um, seven years later, is still having to fight to get her son's killer to not be employed elsewhere. It's unbelievable. Well, I always, you know, I always backtrack when I say something like that. I, w I want it to be unbelievable. It is completely unbelievable that this is happening. Um, why? We always say this too. In any other job, this would not happen. In any other job, if you accidentally murder a child, you're done for. You're in jail forever. Um, or you, sh you should be. And cops seem to be able to act and do whatever. Um, and not just seem to, they are. Uh, qualified immunity. They're, they're allowed to get away with whatever. They're allowed to get away with everything. And I truly believe that the only reason that Derek Chauvin was convicted on all three counts, none of the counts didn't go far enough, but the only reason he was convicted was for political reasons. So, so that they could, so that Nancy Pelosi could stand up there and condescendingly pat George Floyd's daughter's head and um, go, and then they could go, then the Democrats could go about their lives and just uh, as you um, titled the live stream yesterday or two days ago, use George Floyd's family as props, and then the Democrats could go about their business having done nothing. Because we have this, we have these cases, Tamir Rice's mother now having to make a case she should never have to make that the officer that murdered her child, a child, I know often um, young black children, especially boys are not looked at as children, but they're children. So that the, the officer who murdered her child couldn't, shouldn't work in, in this field or any field. He should be in jail, but she's pushing for her, him to not work uh, in, in this. So what, what is to be done? Again, this is about actually taking action, not just using words, not just putting out PR pieces, not just standing on a, a stage and using black people as props. The Democrats aren't doing enough. They're supposed to be the, the party of the people. They're supposed to be the party of Black Lives Matter. What they're doing, what the Democrats are doing is the the same thing as, as like a SunTrust bank or whatever, putting Black Lives Matter in their window. That's all they're doing. And so, yes, I'm tying, we, we aren't really talking about the Democrats in this specific article, but that's what it comes down to. That is part of the reason why articles like this have to be written is because it's, the Democrats are doing nothing. We already know that the Republicans are going to do nothing. We already know that the Republicans don't care about this. We already know that the Republicans are Blue Lives Matter fans. The Democrats are supposed to be the ones who are making sure that Tamir Rice's murderer is not 
in this job is not on the streets, but he is. And here we are. And here's this mother having this pain over and over and over again and having to fight this fight over and over and over again. And you know what? At all of these Black Lives Matter events that we show up at, that status quo covers, you know what happens? These mothers, these families, they come together for each other. George Floyd's family will come together for, um, you know, for, for uh, Andrew Brown's family or, or Dante Wright's family. Um, Eric Garner's family will, will come together for uh, another family. And, and they end up having to kind of go from, from state to state showing solidarity with one another. And then there are families that are lesser known for whatever reason, their stories didn't take off in the media. And so it ends up being like Marvin Scott III's family is definitely getting support from their community and other, other families that have had their family members murdered at the hands of police, but they don't get the huge press gaggles. They don't get the huge um, media stories and, and media attention. And they've said, you know, they're daily fighting for this. They're daily struggling. And Tamir Rice's mother, seven years later, it, it goes on and on and on. And then there are more deaths. Breonna Taylor's family doesn't have justice. And by the way, and by the way, Biden uh, ran on changing the criminal justice system and, you know, atoning for the sins of the crime bill and police reform. And as Jen and I talked, uh, covered the other day, uh, the George Floyd Police Justice and Police Act, they're actively watering down now for fear of being billed as anti-police for the midterms. So they are basically moving ahead without qualified immunity, which would without ending qualified immunity, which would be the biggest thing to deter this endless executions that police officers actually could face civil um, civil penalties for killing uh, black men, just like doctors can and other uh, lines of work if they kill someone. Um, they are, uh, as we covered the other day, making it uh, even more difficult uh, to even, I mean, there's various things that they're doing that are making it more difficult to go after police in any manner. Um, and they're tinkering around the edges like they always do. And at a certain point, I mean, we kind of saw it like some uh, black leaders came out when Biden was running and saying, you know, what are you going to do for us? At a certain point, I mean, I'm not black, but like at a certain point, you're going to just get the numbers you got for Hillary Clinton with less black people coming out and you losing very narrowly because you're not doing anything uh, for black people. So it's it's terrible. It's terrible. And then you have what's going on. With Ronald Green, who uh, there was protests yesterday, a uh, press conference. Uh, let's show um, Ronald Green's lawyer, uh, Lee Merritt, speaking. Uh, Ronald Green was killed May 10th of 2019. Uh, it has been 400. I'm sorry. It's been 747 days since Ronald Green's murder. And the question that we have as representatives of Ronald Green's family is, is murder illegal in the state of Louisiana? If, if evidence of someone being beat, tased, tortured while handcuffed, uh, to have their, uh, to be mocked, where officers gather around 
and not only beat and abuse, but conspire to cover it up. When that comes out in the open, what are the consequences in a state like Louisiana? And so we spoke with uh, prosecutors this morning for Union Parish, who were the original prosecuting authority. Uh, today, the Union Parish prosecutor has the authority to present this case to a grand jury on criminal state charges and seek indictments for the officers to date. 747 days later, he has not done that. When we met with uh, his office this morning, they encouraged us that they were just getting access to the, all of the evidence in the last three weeks and that they are as quickly as possible going over the evidence so that they can present it to a, a state grand jury. And they reassured us that the Union Parish authorities would seek criminal accountability for these officers in due time. Time is well due. We are over time. We are two years later. And so their answers were frustrating uh, for this family. It's frustrating to be told to wait just a little while longer as they gather evidence, as they review the facts, as they check with the, uh, check with the authorities. In the state of Louisiana, like most states in, in, in the United States, if there exists probable cause that a crime existed, the uh, prosecuting authorities, the sheriffs, the state police have the not only the authority, but the responsibility to take immediate and direct actions to ensure that criminals are brought to justice. Uh, Corey York, Dakota De Moss, James Clary are criminals. They are on tape committing criminal acts. We know that the conspiracy extends beyond those three men, but those three men at the very least, we are demanding their immediate arrest. We are not here for sympathy. We are not here for publicity. We, we are not here for conciliatory messages. We want action today. What do you have to do in America to be arrested on the spot if you're a police officer? Literally lynch the person? I mean, I hate to be graphic, but what you saw with Ronald Green was a de facto lynching. And I mean, the media, Jen, as you know, there are tr troubles with corporate outlets. They're very hesitant to call anything a cover-up, but yeah. they're even kind of calling this a cover-up. Yet it's kind of just like, oh, yeah, we're investigating. Well, what about the fact that you've known about it for two years? What about the fact that one of the top officers on the ground uh, there withheld his body cam for two years? The fact that the Democratic governor saw, knew about this and now suddenly is for an investigation. Um, where is the questioning? Well, how many other Ronald Green situations are, are there? Maybe we need to uh, have a federal Department of Justice investigation looking into all police departments to see uh, is there any what's the percentage of body cam footage of incidents like this that have never been released? Um, you know, uh, I, I'm not I'm not trying to compare, but why is it not the same response that you got with George Floyd? Because um, it's to me equally as egregious. Um, they lied that he got in a car accident. Um, there's, there's lie after lie after lie after lie, yet no arrests. And I don't really see like, I don't know. I don't really see that much from Democratic Party politicians. Uh, you know, I don't even like, why is the default? Oh yeah, we need to have an investigation. What is there to investigate? It's right on camera for you. 